so it's a great pleasure and a privilege to welcome Dr. Michael Armenius to join us in speaking about forgiving ourselves. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever to the ages of all ages. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Um, as Abuna said at the beginning, that uh, this is a series on, on uh, forgiveness, and uh, we will never be able to cover everything. Uh, this morning, as Abuna was speaking, I remembered a, a beautiful question that the Lord asked the woman who was caught in adultery. Do you remember the question? Do you remember the question that the Lord asked to the lady who was caught in adultery? Where are your accusers? It's our prayer that uh, the Lord, when he asks us the question, where are your accusers, that we say, no one, Lord, no one is accusing me of anything uh, because of your righteousness. So our, our, I think Fabuna agrees with me. Our, uh, our aim is to say, no, Lord, no one is there to accuse, to accuse me. So um, I'm just going to focus on a couple of things with you. And as I say, it's really a time for uh, discussion and sharing as well. Forgiving ourselves. It's not working. Yeah. Try again. It's worked. So here's a start with a couple of verses from uh, Ephesians and Colossians. And as I say, plenty of verses that I struggled to choose from. Let's read those uh, quickly. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, Clamor and evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Here, St. Paul is setting the scene for us that any forgiveness we do to other people or to ourselves should really be rooted in or based on God's forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So, any forgiveness I am doing to myself is not because I deserve it or because my sins were light or excusable, but it's because God has forgiven me in the Lord Jesus Christ. Making sense? Second verse, very similar. Therefore, as God's chosen people, do you know why I highlighted chosen people? Do you know when you try to hide gaps in your CV or resume, you try to hide gaps in it and just make it look beautiful? But then somebody says to you, but you already had the job. You've already been chosen. Why are you still working on your CV to hide gaps in it? So St. Paul is very beautifully saying, God has already chosen you. And that's why you should forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. Let's make a quick start. I don't know if you've been told this story in Sunday school. As I grew up in a Coptic church, this story was very famous. Don't know if it's true or fiction. But it's a very famous story in Sunday school classes of a mayor in a city somewhere who had his son very sick and he was very sad but then his son began to heal so he was very happy so he decided I'm going to tell everyone that I'm happy and my way of doing this is to open the gates of the prisons and let all prisoners get out so he did, he did so, he phoned up the, uh, not phoned, he told the uh, officers 
open the gates, let everyone out. So everyone went out, fireworks, jubilee day, apart from one prisoner who decided, I'm staying. I'm not going anywhere. Good for him. If he's happy, good for him. I'm happy for him. But I'm not going anywhere because I truly deserve what I did. And I need to stay here until I pay the last minute of my 25 or 30 year sentence. And he stayed in, although the gates were open. Are you guys getting the point? So sometimes this is what we do, is that the gates are open, but we are deciding to stay in, close the gate, and we stay inside with the same judgment that has been lifted. So let's, let's talk more about this. We are all on a spectrum. So I appreciate that we don't all have extreme sort of um, blame or criticism of ourselves. So I think we're on a spectrum. Some of us are um, a bit lighter on themselves. Some others are harsher. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate that the degree of self-judgment varies from one person to another due to so many factors which we can't um, talk about today. So let's move on. Question for you. What is it that we are still holding against ourselves? What is it that we are still, if you think backwards, or if I give you a piece of paper and I tell you, you know what, can you please make a list of things that despite all your confessions and all your uh, beautiful times with the Lord, you still hold against yourself. You still feel that you still accuse yourself as if you are still walking with a pending sentence. Have you ever tried to live when there is a pending decision, pivotal decision in your life, and it's not resolved? It's quite painful. It's a heavy weight, heavy burden. So my question to you, give me some examples of things that we are still holding against ourselves, whether it's sins or mistakes. I'm not going to answer this question. Any hands up? What, what are the examples of, give me examples of things that we are still holding against ourselves. Okay, so one thing beautiful is that I can forgive myself for anything, but one decision I made, or a number of decisions, and I disappointed my family. Okay, so I still hold this against myself, that I have disappointed my parents. What else? Failure. Failure. I am accountable for my failure and I you know what I'm nice to everyone I can counsel everyone who is failing but when it comes to myself no 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 the knife comes up so if I see somebody who is struggling I can encourage a dozen of people with no problem but when it comes to myself the the whip comes out the knife comes out I can't forgive myself for my failure what else I should have done, I should have made better decisions. I should have made wiser decisions. So there are regrets of decisions, is that right? Of decisions that I now reflect backwards and think they were not very wise. What else? Give me more examples. What, el what else do we hold against ourselves? Failure, disappointing others, regrets. Something we said, something we did that hurt someone else, could be, or 
resulted in more hurt to someone else around us, absolutely. Something we decided to say that hurt others. Guys, there's more. Give me more. Oh, there's uh, Abuna. Uh, negligence. Negligence. Yeah, we've neglected people. People, ourselves, things, opportunities. Absolutely. Reflecting backwards and thinking of the times I neglected myself, neglected my spirituality, my mental health, other people in my life, and also thinking about the consequences. We'll talk in a minute about this. Thinking about the consequences of this and thinking, you know what, I can't let myself off the hook. I can't let myself off the hook. Especially when I'm reminded every day of what I've done, of people I neglected, of myself that I neglected. Sexual mistakes, mistakes and shame, absolutely. Some, some mistakes I did, I can, I can let go. But sexual mistakes, where there was another person involved, I feel ashamed. It's not just guilty. Michael is not just guilt. But there's also some shame. I feel ashamed of my body, of what I did, of the people, in front of the people who know. I look at myself in the mirror and I feel ashamed. I'm, I'm haunted by this. It doesn't leave my memory. So I can't forgive myself. Even if I want to, I just can't. Because it's so much, especially with sexual sort of mistakes or related mistakes, because it involves other people, memories, and uh, it gives us that sense of shame. Anything else before we move on? Paralysis? So times when you were stuck, you regret those and you feel um, that you can't let go of yourself because of that. Because there were times where you were paralyzed and you didn't make any decisions and you stayed stuck for some time and now you're thinking backwards, thinking, well, this was wrong. I shouldn't have done this and I can't let go of myself because I should have known better. Also not speaking out. Not speaking out, not sharing. This is something I do quite often. And I, don't, I don't speak out, I don't share. Um, I don't ask for advice at times or when I ask sometimes I it takes me much longer and I'm thinking I should have spoken out I should have said I'm struggling uh, or I need help it's taking me much longer and there were there were some losses in between so are we agreeing put up your hand if you agree that there are things that we are still holding against ourselves okay let's move on then please so what happens when we don't forgive? What are the consequences? What happens when we don't forgive ourselves? What do you think? What happens when we don't forgive ourselves? What is the consequence of not forgiving ourselves? First, we carry the guilt. Do you agree with me? We carry the guilt of what we've done. What else? We spoil our present life because I'm carrying the guilt it's a very heavy burden that I'm carrying and in my wise mind I'm trying to carry all that and still enjoy my life or do or make it right while I'm carrying a very heavy weight so I'm not only that I wasted some time but I'm wasting more time by living under this heavy weight absolutely because I'm not only spoiling my life 
but I am spoiling the life of other people in my intimate circle or even uh, friends because I am not myself I'm carrying as I said to you I have seen people like this who committed a crime whether they are uh, guilty or not that's not the point but just waiting for the court have you ever had a ticket and waited for court before it, it doesn't feel nice because there's a pending sentence over your head hovering over your head you can't sleep you're anxious you're tense you're thinking about it you're thinking what if what if this happens what if that happens so you're not yourself you're not present you're not free you're not free that's a beautiful point it also impacts on the way we relate to God because it can not just impact on our freedom but also sometimes I come to God and I'm feeling so guilty and ashamed and embarrassed and it makes all the relationship I'm having with God revolving around my guilt and shame imagine I'm married okay imagine if every conversation I'm having with my wife is about this I'm sorry love I know you're still hurt I'm sorry it was my fault please forgive me following day I'm sorry I promise I won't do this again I'm committed and every conversation I'm having with her is about my guilt my shame my mistake do you think this is a quality of life or a relationship are you surprised why we're not growing in our relationship with God because our hurt is in the way and believe it or not I don't think it's the hurt that is stopping us I think it's our pride that is stopping us our pride that it stops us from receiving God's forgiveness and allowing ourselves to forgive ourselves it's not the hurt that makes it hard for the Lord Jesus to get into our relationship with us it's not the hurt no matter how big it is I think it's our pride that it stops us from enjoying that relationship with our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus. Does that make sense? What else happens as a consequence before we move on? What else happens as a consequence of not letting go, not forgiving ourselves? We become very sensitive. You already have a sentence hovering over your head. So you are really sensitive about any criticism, about anything that happens, because you already feel sentenced. You feel, I am a criminal carrying a sentence. So you're very sensitive. You're very sensitive. Is that what you meant? Yes, definitely. Beautiful. What else? Mike. Absolutely. You fuse with the guilt and the mistake that it becomes part of you and you can't let go. So you always identify yourself as the sinner, the liar, the cheater, the failure and it becomes part of who you are because it sticks to you and you're not letting go so it becomes part of your identity. Yeah, beautiful. And this is, a, yes, I'll come to you in a sec, but this is a problem because when the Lord or, or Father John comes and tells us that our identity in Christ is so and so we can't accept it we can't receive it and we see other people singing and receiving it and I feel I can't receive that something is blocking me from receiving this new identity in Christ what is blocking me is because I haven't let go so I'm attached to my guilty conscience 
And as you've seen in the picture before that, that this guilty conscience that is pointing at me all the time, making me feel small, making me f have low self-esteem. I'm full of low self-esteem. God says to me, I want you to be with me. We have a meaning for you. I have a purpose for you. But my conscience is too big and is condemning me all the time. So I feel too small to even participate in God's plan. Remember the verse in John, John 8, when the Lord asked the woman, Woman, where are your accusers? And she said, No one, Lord. Yes. We feel unworthy, absolutely. We feel unworthy, we feel um, falsely humble, we feel um, low self-esteem. Okay, anything else before we move on? It also affects uh, mental health and depression. Oh. And we cannot really move forward. Absolutely, uh, the amount of papers that are written, again, I can't include that here for the time, but the amount of papers that are written on People who carry a self-critical attitude and their mental health and the link between the two, dozens and dozens and dozens of papers linking the attitude that is very self-critical, self-accuser, and other areas of mental health and anxiety, depression, eating disorders, you name it. Absolutely, fully agree. Um, project onto others? You project, oh absolutely, you project that onto others. So it taints or it shapes your relationship with others. Because you have a sentence you're carrying, then it will actually shape what you do with others. And it's really um, interesting, sadly, when you see it in how we parent our kids. Because we use the same guilt thing, guilt mindset, because this is how I operate. And I think this is the, the only way I know. So I guilt the, trip them. You're gonna leave me alone? You're not gonna do this for daddy who loves you? Because I'm actually filling his conscience with infusing him with guilt because I think this is the way I'm operating although I am chained I'm not free but this is the way I'm operating and I'm going to infuse my sons or kids um, conscience with the same mindset with the same accusation and probably I got it from my parents as well maybe maybe my parents were also in the same mindset of the same mindset but yeah you're right we project that on others and on our partners, our spouses. Um, telling my wife off all the time, being this kind of critical person, don't want to let her go. Uh, because if I let go, she will just do whatever she wants. And she will, God forbid, be free. And we're not allowed to be free because I'm not free. Why, I, why should I allow you to be free? I'm not free. Does that make sense? Shall we move on? Okay, so we talked about two things. Examples of things that we don't let go of. And also, what consequences there are. There are many, of course. I'm going to summarize a couple of more consequences before we talk about what to do. One of them is what I called ego-originating behaviors, or, or behaviors that come from our ego. What does that mean? I think, and tell me if you agree or not, I think when we are critical and judgmental of ourselves and accusing ourselves of something, one of two tends to happen. Either we keep punishing ourselves, which we call self-sabotaging. We sabotage every chance of success. 
God allows us to go into a, a nice relationship, we sabotage that. A nice job, we sabotage that. A nice time with friends in church or a nice conference, you find yourself sabotaging everything or uh, compromising everything or maybe compromising is not the word. Um, spoiling everything. So one attitude we take is the self-punitive attitude. The other one which is more interesting is the cover-up attitude. You know when you are ashamed of something and you, 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 you don't want people to see it or God to see it? You make a lot of effort every day to cover up, to cover it. So we tend to do one of two. Either we carry this punitive mental state or we try to cover up all the time by doing good things. But this is a problem because I'm not doing good things because I love you. I'm doing good things because I feel guilty and I'm trying to cover and compensate for my guilt. And believe me, people also are very sensitive. They sense it in us. When I give my wife a hug and I'm not with her mentally, she knows. She tells me you're thinking of something. Let alone if I'm doing acts of love, but they're actually coming out of my trials or attempts to cover for my sense of guilt. Does that make sense? So I think we go into one of those two or both. We come to church, we sing, we pray, we lead conferences, but not because we feel free, but because we feel burdened and we want to please God to feel less guilty. Does that make sense? Second one. Second one, when we, one of the consequences of not letting go, of not forgiving ourselves, is we become prosecutors, not examiners of ourselves. So St. Paul says, examine yourself, test yourself, as we see in the verses in front of us. But when it comes to his judgment, he said, well, no, I do not judge myself, because the Lord is my judge. Does that make sense? So if we go back slightly, so the slide basically saying, when we tend to be very harsh, critical, and not letting go, not letting ourselves off the hook, we don't become examiners of our lives. We become prosecutors. We become the judge. And we kick God out. Excuse me, God. I know how to do this. I know you, you said that the gates are open, but let me, let me handle this. You know, in the UK, where I kind of come from, uh, if I have a case against you in the UK, and I go to the UK court, and they don't give me my right, I can overrule that. I can override that by going to the European court. Okay, it's a higher court. I can go higher than this. That's why one of the reasons why we want Brexit. And I want to go higher. <laughs> I don't like this judgment. I'm going to go higher. And believe me or not, we do the same with God. His judgment is, what are your accusers? No one. Neither do I ac accuse you of anything. I don't condemn you. I'm setting you free. And I go like, no. I'm going to go beyond you, Lord. Thank you, you're very nice, you're sweet. I'm going to go beyond you and find my own accuser, me, and I'm going to follow his judgment, his ruling. Does that make sense? So by not forgiving ourselves, we are actually becoming prosecutors and judges, not examiners of our lives. Can we move on, please? Another one? And this is the um, kind of the pivotal part of our discussion today. 
When I am critical of myself to the extent that I'm actually accusing myself and not accepting God's mercy and God's forgiveness, what I'm doing is I'm actually not just undermining, I'm not benefiting from the cross or the blood of the Lord Jesus. Look at what St. Paul is saying beautifully in Galatians 2. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. And this is the point that I want you to be awake and, uh, and understand it with me because I think it's really important. What is St. Paul saying here? St. Paul is saying, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Please yani, stay attentive with me for this point. St. Paul is saying that if you don't forgive yourself, you are by this implying that your righteousness stems from your works. If you do well, you're good. If you don't, you're bad. And that makes the Lord's cross and blood in vain. Do you get the point? By actually not letting myself, letting go of myself and setting myself free, I'm basically saying to the Lord, all what you've done is nothing. Because what makes me righteous is not you. It's not your cross. It's not your blood. But my works. And because I messed up as a child or in the past or my last 10 years, I am condemned to shame, guilt and death forever and failure and embarrassment. And this is the judgment because of my works, not because of you. So basically what I want to say to you that lack of forgiveness has a very important meaning in it because it means that I imply that my righteousness comes from me not him and I think this is really why we should start setting ourselves free because the righteousness doesn't come from me it doesn't come from me look at what St. Paul saying if our righteousness comes through the law the do's and don'ts then Christ died in vain and another verse again from Galatians which again very important is the law then against the promises of God certainly not for if there is if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. Do you get the point? St. Paul is saying, well, wait, wait, hang on a second, hang on a second. Do you think your righteousness comes from you? If this was the case, can this righteousness give you life? No. What will you do? Let me talk to the prisoner who decided to stay in jail. Mate, the mayor has let everyone out. Why are you in? I'm in because I have a 30-year sentence. I'm going to stay here for 30 years, punishing myself for I deserve. And then, then what? What will you do? Will that make you feel more righteous? That is so scary. This is wrong. It is not paying the price of my sins that is going to give us life. Life can only come from the giver of life. So even if I pay, for my, pay all my debts, and pay all for all the crimes I've committed, which is impossible. I won't have life because my righteousness can't give me life. And the righteousness should come from him. Is this a complicated point or is it straightforward? So put up your hand if you want me to dwell on it a little bit more. Put up your hand if you think it's straightforward. Okay. So let me tell you where we're at so far. We talked about things that we don't forgive ourselves for. 
the consequences of those. And one of them is that implies that my righteousness comes from me, not from you. And I want to prove my righteousness. And that will never work. Because the law doesn't give life. Okay? Does that make sense? Let's move on then. Here's another verse. Uh, but uh, I wanted you to remember that in, in this verse, St. Paul was in, uh, in prison himself. But so beautifully sums up all what we said now. He says, everything I count as loss. Why? For the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay. So you value this more than anything? Yep, yep. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them all as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. That's not it. That's not the point. Listen to the rest of it. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him. This is what gives me righteousness. Not by trying to rectify what I did in the past. Not by spending more years in jail. This is not going to give me life. But St. Paul realized it. And he said, well, all that is rubbish. What matters is whether I'm in Christ or not. What matters is not how much mess I left behind me. What matters is whether I'm in Christ or not. Let me give you a simple example. A close friend of mine, a close friend of mine made a mistake. A big mistake, okay? And the amount of losses are too much. They, they, they would make you cry. And I've seen servants cry just hearing the people who are offended and lost because of him. It's a big mistake. However, although everyone in the church could see the impact of that, it took my friend six years after the mistake just to realize that all what he has been doing for six years was trying to be righteous following the mistake, trying to prove himself. And he realized that he's making more mistakes and losing more people and hurting his family more and more and more until he got to a point and he said, you know what, I need to stop, which I think we should get to that point, all of us really. I need to stop trying to be righteous. I'm tired. I'm losing more people. I'm hurting more people. I'm trying to save my family. I'm hurting my family more. I'm trying to save my job. I'm making more mistakes in my job. I need to stop. Stop trying to be righteous now. I need to stop and focus on one thing because that's what matters is to be in Him. And then what? To be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness. Oh, St. Paul is on the same wave uh, like us, or, or same, same line, which is from the law, but the righteousness which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Are we all in agreement? Any objection? So my point here, before we move on, because I think this is important that we agree on it, that by not forgiving myself, I'm actually stating that I'm going to pursue righteousness by my own might and make more mistakes in my life and will never find the true righteousness, which God only gives to those who believe in his own son, Jesus. And it's given for free. You don't need to pay for it. You don't need to work hard to have it. It's given for free. Why are you tired? Why are you trying to cover up the guilt? Why are you living with this shame? I see you as righteous in my son. Take this righteousness and live with it. Don't work too much on this. There's other work that I want you to do, but not this. 
Because you can never buy righteousness. You can never buy it. There's no price for it. The only righteousness that is true is the one that the Lord gives. Let's move on. And I finish this point with this beautiful verse that I'm not sure if you saw before. The Lord was talking to his people in Deuteronomy 7 7. And he was saying to them, Okay, listen to this, my people. That's Old Testament. Listen to this. You are a holy people to the Lord, and the Lord your God has chosen you. That's um, uh, spoken on the prophets um, on behalf of God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be people for him, a special treasure. Look, God has chosen you and me a special treasure. Above all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord did not set his love on you nor chose you because you were more in number than other people, for you were the least of all the peoples, but because he loves you. Does that make sense? Do you really want to work hard on your righteousness? It's not going to make God suddenly change his mind and love you because he already loves you and he wants to give you this righteousness and set you and your conscience free. Does that make sense? So the Lord is saying to his people, don't you ever think that the Lord chose you because you are good or big in numbers or whatever. No, 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 no. He chose you as a treasure because the Lord loves you. Let's move on. Okay, I'm just going to move this for the sake of time, please. What do I do now? Before we talk about what do I do now, is there any, any, anything you want to add on the past few points? No? What do I do now? So I've learned that lack of forgiveness makes me carry a huge burden and even by trying very hard, I will never achieve anything. So what do I do now? First thing, very simple, I need to be clear about my role and God's role in this righteousness business. I need to admit fully that, you know, Lord, working hard, trying for the last few years is never going to get me this righteousness. I want it, Lord. I want to get it now. I've worked so many years in my life trying to punish myself, sabotaged more things, lost more things. Now is the time to tell you, I'm giving up on trying to buy this righteousness. Can I have it, please? And those, it's yours. It's yours. My son is here to give it to you. So first thing, I need to be clear that this is not my territory. This is not area that I can achieve by myself. I need to have it. It's given. And then I need to own and confess my sins. The sins I have made, the mistakes I've made, are my sins. They are my mistakes. They are my sins. I need to confess that. Knowing that there is righteousness at the end. So I'm not confessing to feel more condemned. I'm confessing because I have been made righteous in the Lord. Does that make sense? In, in Ephesians, one of the verses I skipped, St. Paul says that when we were dead in our trespasses, the Lord came, gave us righteousness, and gave us, and made us alive. So a question to you. When the Lord came to give us life, were we worthy of it? Did we really work hard to have it? No. So I need to own my sins and confess them because I have been given life and righteousness. Can we move on, please? Yeah. And then, once I've made a list of my sins... I need to tear this up. I just need to tear it up. As simple as that. I just drop it. Just 
to remind you. I need to drop, drop the things I've written against myself. So when I, I said I need to own my sins and write them down, it's not to stay with me. I need to drop them. And as Father John taught us in the beginning of this series, the act of letting go, today we can also practice the act of dropping. It's like a weight that you drop. You drop the weight on the floor. And this is the stuff that you've written against yourself. You tear it up and you drop it. So it's no longer in your hand because you're not in control of it. You've already confessed them. You drop them. Does that make sense? So Abuna taught us to let go and now we are dropping. Dropping whatever we're holding against ourselves. Let's hear one more verse. As I was saying, being dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. And what did the Lord do? This is simple in Colossians. He did something similar to what I've done. He said here, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. So the Lord wiped out. Where is the handwriting of the requirements? I'm going to wipe it out. That was against us. Nothing is against you. You are free. You need to practice and live like this. What else do I need to do? So I now uh, know about my rule and that righteousness comes from him. I confess my sin and I've torn them up. And I need to enjoy that peace in his righteousness. I need to have that peace because God is calling us to have peace. Here is the beautiful verse from Romans uh, 5.1. Having been justified by my power or by faith? By faith. Having been justified by faith, we have peace. And this is really important. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand. I'm going to put up my hand. The moment in time where I was searching for peace, I just want peace. These ideas that are so critical, punitive, harsh, reminding me of how big of a failure I am, all these ideas, I want peace. And by being justified by faith, I don't need to prove myself to be justified. I've been justified already, so I dropped everything and I now need to enjoy that peace. Being justified, we have peace. Does that make sense? And then last thing is building on the freedom. God has not given me the freedom to just stay free and do nothing. This freedom is a really um, powerful tool to let me start and embark on another journey when I am free. Because I'm no longer burdened. With this freedom, I can go and be fruitful. So I need to build on that freedom. If we move on to the next verse, which is the same, same uh, continuation of the same verse through whom we also have access. So I'm giving you this righteousness from me. I'm justifying you because through this you have peace and you have access. I don't want you to forget the word access because this is pivotal in this verse. I'm giving you access into the grace where you should stand. I have access to the grace, of course. This is what the Bible is saying. I do have access to that grace to rejoice and be peaceful and have hope. Let's move on. So, that is, I have two more questions for you, and then we can stop and have comments from you. One very important question that comes up. What do you do with the consequences? Okay, I agree with you. God has wanted to give us His righteousness for free, but I'm living with reminders of the consequences, the people that I hurt, the mess that I caused in my life. Some of them, I think, will be eternal. Some people died that I hurt. Some people 
I lost. I can't even go back to them. I lost jobs or I lost opportunities that can't go back. This job I can't have back, it's gone. And of course, as you know, Satan is an accuser. So he will start to tell you, had you not made that mistake, you would have been married to someone else. You would have had better situation. You would have had better kids, better scenario, better finances. So it fills you with this. But now I've dropped that. I'm not accusing myself of that. But what do I do with the consequences? You tell me, what do I do with the consequences? They're still there, yeah. That's my point. They're still there. <laughs> yeah, but we pray about it and pray for those people and believe that God is able to, to deal with that and change them the way He wants. Okay, I, we pray about the situation that we caused, any mess that happened. We pray about that, okay? And God is faithful enough to deal with that. What else? What do I do with the consequences? If I can make amends, of course, yes. If I can make amends, absolutely. Not out of guilt, though, no. because guilt is gone. I'm not under an accusation anymore. Mm -hmm. so you're, you're changing your perspective, and I think this is the point I wanted to make. Which one is better? Trying to deal with the consequences when I'm still chained? There's no hope. So when God is setting me free from myself, lack of forgiveness, and I'm forgiving myself, when I'm forgiving myself, I am free. The amount of things I can do, whether directly related to the consequences or other things, are enormous. Because I'm free. Imagine if this man decides, I'm going to stay here in my self-punishment. I'm going to stay chained by myself. This is better for my family. Do you think that's better for his family? Yes, he made a mistake. Okay, you made a mistake, my friend. And it did hurt your family, it did hurt your, your kids, it did hurt your church, okay? You have one of two choices now. Either you stay in your chains, achieving nothing, hurting more people. That's what we said in the beginning. When I don't forgive myself, I'm hurting more people. I'm making more mistakes. And I'm living under the burden. Or, option two, is that you forgive yourself because God has given you that. And you're off your chains. And believe me, there's a lot that you can do and a lot of fruits that you can achieve when you are free in the Lord Jesus. Is it making sense? I suppose the point I'm making is don't be fooled by ideas that, well, what is the point? I can do nothing. This is not from God. This is from Satan. A question for you. Who is not going to heaven? Those who have made horrible mistakes in the past or those who are not <coughs> producing fruit? Use the Bible. Those who are not producing fruit. The Lord said that clearly, that those who don't make fruit are those who are going to be cut off. And this is also clear in the parable of the talents. Who hid the talent, didn't make fruit. So when God's giving me freedom, he's telling me, this is what I want from you. Some consequences you can't, you can make amends or you can fix. Some you can't, but the best thing you can do to the people that you hurt is to be free and start make fruit. I'm going back to the story before we finish. I'm going back to the story I told you about my friend. Not just myself. All of us in the church told this person, just make it right. Accept God's forgiveness. Forgive yourself and just start acting as a free man. You will be more of benefit to your family if you do this. But the mindset was, 
No. I need to make it right as in fix the problem. Out of guilt, out of shame, and it never worked. But the moment he realized that I need to stop. I need to forgive myself. I know it was a big mistake. I need to forgive myself. He became more fruitful and more able to deal with consequences. Because he's not dealing with the consequences on his own. He's dealing them with God. He's dealing with them with God. Because when you are free, God says to you, you know what? You made a mess, right? Yeah. Are you accusing yourself anymore? No, Lord. Through your forgiveness, I'm forgiving myself. And I dropped my sins. How about together, me and you? Together, me and you. We can be fruitful. Some of that will fix some of your consequences. And some others will bear more fruit. But don't worry. Don't worry about the past. Just walk with me, free. And you will be more fruitful to the whole body of the church. Is that making sense? One more question and then we finish. Which is, how do I guard myself against becoming so loose if I can easily then accept God's forgiveness and forgive myself the moment I see this, Satan plants a seed saying, you are tricking yourself. You're going to live a relaxed, loose life. No condemnation, no accusation, no guilt. This is a license to make more sins and make more mistakes. What do you say to that? Have you heard that voice before? I have. Have you heard it before? Well, this is a license to just sin and make mistakes because easy you can just be free in a minute what do you say to that a valid point what do you think is this a lie or true or a truth of course So you're saying we need a bit more kind of uh, watching, isn't it? We need, we need to watch. So it's not a license to sin. It's actually telling me that, see how much it costs you. Now that you are free, see how hard it was for you. But now that you are free, sin no more, as the Lord said to them. Sin no more. Because you need to watch. Because it's not people who don't make sins or commit sins these are not the ones who are going to heaven or eternal life with me but those who bear fruit it's time i'm giving you this freedom to be watchful more and conscious more that you sin no more and if you sin quickly repent because we have a lot of work to do imagine imagine this scenario imagine if my son says to me dad my grades my grades when i was in grade 12 were horrible so i have decided to dwell on that cry every day do nothing with my life for the following six years will i be happy i know that he made a mistake okay he messed up at grade 12. which one would make me happier him saying i made a mistake but i'm gonna let go i'm i'm i'm, I'm free now to work harder and work with you dad work with you and see what else i need to do or will i be delighted in him saying 
I'm staying doing nothing because I don't want to be loose again or relaxed again, no watching. The point I'm making is this is not a license to make more sins. In fact, when we have the grace that is given us for, for, to us for free, it's power, we're given power to be more fruitful, more productive. Two people I have in my life. Somebody who works for me and I give him $100,000 a year to do a job in my company. And my son, who I tell, you own the company. Which one should be more careful, more watchful, more keen on the outcomes? My son. So by, give, by God giving us this privilege and authority to be his sons and daughters, we will become more keen, more watchful. It's our project. God's work with us is our life, it's our project. As opposed to somebody who gets his money, takes his salary, thank you, don't care really about achievements. It's not my company. Do you get where the lie is? So Satan lies to us saying, well, if you follow this and you forgive yourself, you're going to be relaxed and commit more sins. This is a lie. Absolutely. When you are living in this lack of forgiveness, you mean, right? You become so self-focused and you miss out on so many opportunities for you, for you to be fruitful and focus on other things because you become so self-consumed. And as I said at the beginning, I don't think that it's our hurts that stop us from being fruitful and uh, free. I think it's our pride not wanting to let go because we want to prove that we can spend 20 more years in prison to be justified. Thank you for your justification, but I don't want it. I'm going to achieve it by staying in prison. So what will happen in the, in the end of 25 years? That you've, you, you've, you feel justified because you have completed your sentence, but hasn't given you life? You have borne no, fr no fruit. So you can't come and join me. Because those who bear fruit are the ones who are going to join me. You, 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 you misunderstood the whole point. Do you know when you go on an exam and you answer something and you think this has lots of marks and the examiner says, actually, that question doesn't have any marks. The one that has marks is a fruit. <sighs> Had I known this, I would have accepted your freedom and I would have been bearing fruit all the time. Like the one who hid the talent. Well, I hid it because I thought this is what you want. You just want your talent back. No, no, I wanted you to be fruitful. And I'm giving you the freedom to be fruitful. Shall we move on? Sorry. Absolutely. You are saying it right that we, we know that th it is likely that we make mistakes in, in the future, but, but it's not about the mistakes. Life is having a different meaning now. As simple said, what matters is not my self-righteousness. It, it's not my works anymore. What matters is, am I found in Jesus and fruitful with him and repenting all the time or not? That's what matters. That's what matters. It's not whether I'm a, am I going to fall again in a year's time. This is not the question now. Again, as I said to you, the exam doesn't have that question. The exam doesn't have that question. It's only Satan who put that question there. Will you fall again next year? This is not from God. The exam says, will you walk with me? Are you going to be found in me? Can we walk together? Can we have a relationship? I'm setting you free so we can have a relationship. 
Like my wife, what I keep saying to her, sorry, 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 she says to me, stop it, Michael, stop it. Can we talk about something else? We have a lot to do. And as Marina said, we're so focused on the mistakes. And God says, well, uh, my wife says, Michael, I have already forgiven you 10 years ago. You're dwelling on this. We need to move on. We have things to achieve together. Do you get the point? And the same thing happens with, with our Lord. Shall we move on? I'm going to skip that verse, but I'll, I'll let you guys do that. Because I googled, you were once, but now, in the Bible. I said, okay. Are there verses in the Bible that says that you were once something, and but now something else? So I came up with four beautiful verses that I'm happy to share the slides with you. But they all say, you were once darkness, now light. You were once disobedient, now obedience. Beautiful verses. I think the point I'm making here is that I am always going to be a justified sinner. Does that make sense? I'm always going to be a sinner. I'm not claiming here that I'm going to make no sins. But I'm saying even when I'm sinning, I am a justified sinner because every day I'm making sure I'm established in him and dropping my accusations. I'm found in him. So every day I'm going to be a justified sinner. I am a sinner, Lord. I'm not making it up. I'm a sinner. And I'm making mistakes. But I'm dropping my accusations from myself to myself. And I'm establishing myself in you every day. Because now I know that this is what matters. No, no. I think the point I'm making is the, ho- the focus is changing. My focus is not on my uh, trials and attempts to prove my righteousness and achieve my righteousness. Now the focus is different. Instead of the focus of me and my wife have, having been on my sins and saying, sorry, I'm sorry, please love me, please accept me, I'm sorry, which happens with God all the time, that we do this all the time. Forgive me, I want your mercy, I'm sorry. Now my relationship with my wife is changing because I got the concept now. This forgiveness is actually being given to me because she chose me. She is happy with me. Our God has chosen me with my sins and weaknesses. The point is not about this. The point is, I'm giving you the freedom every day. Let go of yourself every day and follow me because that's what matters. I want you to follow me because we can bear fruit. This is the point. I got married to you not to say sorry to me and try to prove yourself every day. This is not the point of our marriage, Michael. The point is we need to work together. I want this unity. I want to be with you, to bear fruit, to change you, to shape you, to make you holy, to make you fruitful, to make you influencing other people around you. I have a lot. I have a list of projects that we can do together, but they're all based on you being free. So claim this freedom every day. It's not something that you have once and it's gone. It's every day you drop and you let go of your accusations and lack of forgiveness and you accept his forgiveness and you forgive yourself through his forgiveness to move on to move on and work together because that's the whole point when the Lord called the disciples who were fishermen he didn't say 
come follow me so we can make, uh, see if you can make yourself righteous and abide by my laws. He didn't say that. He said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And on the way, you have to let go of your sins because I'm going to forgive you. Okay, I feel this is too much and too heavy of uh, a dose for you guys. So I am going to finish, I suppose, with a passage from the liturgy of St. Cyril, where uh, the priest clearly says, No one born of a woman should be justified before you, Lord. Therefore, make us worthy. You, you, you make us worthy. I can't make myself. You make me worthy uh, through your grace, our master, with a pure heart and a soul full of grace to stand and be with you and offer before you this holy oblations for the forgiveness of our trespasses. So it's a, again, St. Cyril is reminding us, I'm not making myself worthy, but you give me this uh, from you, Lord. Any, any comments or, uh, or points you want to raise before we conclude and pray? Uh, Father John, anything you want to? Yeah, sorry. Ah, beautiful point. That's a beautiful point. What if I want to remind myself of where I've fallen so I don't fall again? I want to remind myself, but I also don't want to go and pick up the same piece of paper and carry the same guilt and accusation and self-punitive approach again. What, what do I do? How can I just, can I just take a, a quick glimpse of it? I'm just going to pick it up, Lord, and just quickly see what was inside and then put it back again on the floor. How can I do this? How can I do this in a in a practical way. How can I just remind myself of where I've fallen? Okay, so one thing is I can remind myself of the consequences that happened. Okay? I agree with you, but with a with a fine print in the end that I'm not reminding myself of this with a guilty conscience that is trying <clears throat> to make it right to prove myself that I was okay or to pay for the mistake that I made no I want to do this with a mindset of Lord I'm watchful I'm keeping my eyes open I'm not going to fall for Satan's sins uh, sorry lies I'm doing this with the mindset I need to keep watching so I don't leave you and my hope sorry I don't know your name Theo. Theo can I borrow you for a second okay can you stand next to me, please? So the, the, one, one other thing that we need to do, you are Jesus, okay? And I'm a man. <laughs> one thing that we need to do is now that the Lord has set me free and is setting me free every day, I need to do everything with him. I'm not going to do this on my own because I know that if on my own I say, Jesus, can you just step away a second? One second. I'm just going to have a look quickly at my sins so I don't fall again. I've fallen already. I'm already very vulnerable by doing this. Because now we said that the whole point is not about this. The whole point is about this. Do you get the point? So as long as you are in this togetherness, you are protected. You're free. And you, we can discuss things together. So Jesus, look, can we look at this together? If we can look at it together in the light, it's different from saying, can, you just, can I just look at this and make sure when I confess to Abuna that I just 
confess again about these things and tell you and promise you, promise you that this year I will never do it again. The moment I distance myself from him, I'm very vulnerable. I'm, I'm so vulnerable. The point I'm saying is the Lord is saying to me, I am married to you because I want you. I want you to be with me working together. Thank you, Theo. And, uh, and not to try to prove yourself worthy of my calling. Does that answer the question? There was something in the back? Sorry. Okay, believe me, I agree with you. Believe, I agree with you 100%, but with, with the Lord Jesus with us. Because he can turn, as Nehemiah said in his uh, book, because the Lord can turn, or has turned, the curse into a blessing. This is our Lord. He can do that. And I've seen it with my own eyes. When people repent and confess and drop the charges and accept the freedom from the Lord and work with him, he turns the curse into a blessing. And you have seen it. You have seen it and heard about it many times. Saint Moses the Strong. Saint Moses the Strong. And I'm sure many of you know his story. When he repented and dropped his self-charges and accepted the Lord's forgiveness and his righteousness, did he not save many lives after that? And the things that he learned about criminality and fear and and uh, ugliness of the life did he do you not think that god has used all this for the glory of his name he has the lord will not run out of uh, ways to use our mess to make us beautiful and we will see that but together we do it together like saint paul said i'm found in him i need to be together with you this is what matters that's why the church focuses on communion 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 why because the church understands we need to be in communion does that make sense? Glory be to God uh, forever. Amen.